I used the clip from a piece of news footage from California where a bear is on the loose and there's a guy on his phone walking directly towards it because his attention has been so thoroughly captured by the glowing rectangle in his hand that it's no longer performing its primary function of keeping him safe from bears. Attention. We all want it. That's why we have limited edition Nike Dunk SBs and forward-facing cameras on our phones. But how do you know if you're getting it? And what do you do with it once it's yours? Today, we're going deep on attention. And spoiler alert, that guy who almost walked into the arms of a grizzly because he was glued to his phone screen, he is not an outlier. The internet has always been a place for attention seekers. Whether it's a social media status update or a whole website dedicated to your teenage poetry, there's a mechanism to suit your need for the good stuff. That is, someone to notice you. But more recently, attention has become a serious new metric marketers are using to measure and improve the value of their media spend. I'm Dan Monheit, and this is Connected, the show that dives into marketing's past and explores its future. Now, if there's one thing we all know about attention, it's that all of our attention spans are getting shorter, right? Well, Faris Jacob, who we heard from at the top of the episode, is the author of the book Paid Attention and co-founder of nomadic strategy agency Genius Deals. Faris needs us to get something clear right up front, something really crucial to understand before we can go any further. Attention spans are kind of a pop science idea. In about 2018, a piece of research was published by Microsoft in Canada in their ad division. And the research was based on a number of MRI scans about essentially browser refresh rates and how quickly you respond to certain changes in stimuli. But the headline that was used to communicate the research that became the big PR story was the idea that because internet, we have for the first time had our attention spans diminished to the point where it's now less than the attention span of a goldfish. Right. The attention span of a goldfish. Six seconds. Swimming around in my bowl. Oh, look, a little scuba diver. Hello. If you think about it, your belief about goldfish is that they have short memories, not that they have short attention spans. Now, that belief is also completely untrue. In fact, like psychological researchers use goldfish specifically for attention and memory experiments because their memory system is A, quite stable and they can remember quite well, and you can see it quite easily in how their brains change. Really? Those poor goldfish. So misunderstood. My thinking here is that something to do with motivated reasoning, right? First of all, a lot of us got goldfish from the fair when we were kids in a little plastic bag, and we put them in bowls, and they swim around in a circle. And if they were conscious of that, it seems like a really unpleasant experience of life and possibly cruel and unusual isolation. So a story emerges, the story being they have a six second memory, which means every rotation in the bowl is a whole new experience for them. And it's fine. So we assuage our guilt, essentially, by this motivated reasoning piece of folklore, which is untrue. So in a similar way, I think, individually, culturally, and as an industry, we began to sort of wonder what's happening to our attention. Something feels different. It feels harder to read books. People complain about that. And there's more distraction. And because there's more distraction, our attention is working much harder to sort of block and tackle different signals from noise. So there was a sense that emotionally it felt true, but it's complete nonsense. So attention spans are something pop psychology invented to explain why it feels bad when we can't stick to something. 
like how we skip the ads because they're not interesting enough to hold our focus. But that means if those ads aren't capturing people's attention, we only have the ads to blame. To deliver more value, those ads have to hold more attention. That's why marketers are adopting this as a metric, to sit alongside others like engagement and time on site. It doesn't just measure if the ads have appeared in front of a customer, but whether or not they captivated, enthralled, or fascinated them. Did the end user find the ad interesting? Did they stop what they were doing and really see it? It's becoming part of understanding whether an ad or campaign has been successful or not. Let's dive in and find out why it's gaining so much attention. (laughs) I'm Karen Nelson-Field, CEO and founder of Amplified Intelligence. We collect real human gaze um, and um, deliver it into products such as attention planning and buying. By literature definition, it basically means that a human stops what they're doing, concentrates awareness, even for a fleeting moment, on one single stimuli, so one single thing, while ignoring other things around them. So if you think about it in the marketing context, how we translate it is that a viewer scrolling media and attention is when the viewer literally stops Again, even if for a fleeting moment, stops looking at their feed, stops playing with their cats, stops talking to their kids and looks directly at the ad. And we define attention in three ways. So active attention is when a viewer is literally looking at the ad on screen, whereas passive attention is when the viewer is looking around the ad. So they could be looking on screen, for example, through the feed, or they could be kind of looking nearby, but not directly at the ad. And the third one is the obvious, which is not looking at all. Ah, so there's not just one kind of attention, there are three. For the last few years, the industry has been buying ad space based on viewability metrics, minimum standards of how much an ad needs to have rendered on a device to count as serving an impression. I won't bore you with all of the technical specs, but let's just say that it is far less than you might think, which doesn't make it a super reliable way to know if an ad has really landed. So what is it that makes attention different? Viewability has been a fantastic foundational metric in the digital space. And what it does is it allows us to understand if an ad has been served or not, whereas attention is whether a human has looked. And you can definitely have viewability without attention, but you can't have attention without viewability. So my original PhD was audience measurement. You know, I was exposed to, I guess, the issues that underline the current currency, even back then. So during my academic tenure, I did a lot more research on what sorts of metrics actually do play a role in understanding human engagement, which is essentially what advertisers are looking for. So for me, having left the university, one of my key goals was to sort of understand what a human does. So I built some technology that essentially filmed people in a basic way. So big ethnographic studies at scale, which allowed me to understand what the human was looking at versus what someone would say that they're looking at. So this brought me to this concept of attention, which is at the end of the day, the top of the tree in terms of its hierarchy, attention is engagement, attention is interest, attention is you know, all of these other things that everyone strives for in the measurement game. So believe it or not, you can actually measure attention. And Karen's team is at the forefront globally of the efforts to do just that. The way it works is, Karen and her team get permission from people to watch how they're engaging with ads. Those people download an app, and their camera on their phone records their facial footage, connecting it to the ad on the screen. The data goes through a bit of fancy machine learning, and from there the team can tell whether these people are looking at the ads looking near the ads or not looking at all, 
which cuts right to the heart of what it's really all about. At a sort of fundamental level, what advertising is, is drawing attention to something. That's what it means. That's what the root Latin word advetere means, to draw attention towards something. In the kind of dominant cascade model of communication effect that we still refer to a lot, even though it's somewhat spurious, it's called ADA. Attention is the beginning of the journey that allows someone to think about something because they're aware of it and then decide they want to buy it and so on. And importantly, in media terms, we buy and sell human attention, but we did it historically through proxies because we needed a currency and currencies need to be fungible, which is now a term that's become very popular, but previously was less well known as an economics term, but it has to be. So there's a sort of illusion that happens in media buying, which is that impressions are the same thing, regardless of where you buy them, which is fundamentally untrue. And everyone knows that when they're a person, the experience of reading a print advertisement or seeing a cinema advertisement or walking by a billboard or hearing a radio ad are qualitatively different experiences that we render quantitatively similar in order to trade and maximize things like reach and frequency. So the truth is, yes, it's convenient for us in the ad business to want to make everything tradable on the same terms, which leads to this illusion that we, the audience, the people actually paying attention to the ads, are the same from one moment to the next. But in reality, we know that that could not be further from the truth, because the way we experience something is so heavily dependent on the context within which we experience it. I mean, imagine getting an ad about car insurance first thing in the morning and how much attention you give to that versus getting served the same ad after six hours of back-to-back Zoom meetings. Or maybe after we've just had a fight with our mum versus going out for a lovely walk or frolicking in a field with puppies. Of course, the way we experience these ads is going to be totally different. And what's amazing is that attention might be the first way we've had to measure how our humanness affects the value brands get from chucking ads in front of us. The metrics that we've had to date pretty much don't include any human behaviour. So I look at attention via gaze as an extension of what was built through the viewability years. Attention became, I think, relevant because it's harder to make things famous. And we know from IPA and Ehrenberg Mass, etc., that to grow, brands need to essentially buy excess share of voice. It is the most obvious linear determinant of what drives growth according to the IPA, etc., But that means you need loads of money. And if you can't afford to just buy more, which means you're already the market leader, how do you grow? So you have to consider things like, well, what attracts attention? What does creative effectiveness do to provide a multiple on our media spend? And how can we then think about measuring media in a way that takes into account the human at the end of the transaction? And again, I give credit where credit's due. That technology was definitely the foundation and a big shift from where it was But understanding actual continuous human attention data is quite game-changing. So that's how it works in theory. But how are brands implementing it in the real world? Lisa Ronson, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Coles Group. Okay, so Coles is one of Australia's bigger supermarkets, with millions of customers having all kinds of different experiences. They might be on a mission for a particular ice cream brand, or buying for the whole week's meal plans, or maybe just thinking about what to put together for a very special romantic dinner. But Coles has been able to identify something many of us have in common. That feeling, and I know you're going to know what I'm talking about, of when it gets to around 2.30 in the afternoon, and suddenly you get that creeping, lurking sense of dread somewhere just in the background. Wait, what's that? 
what are we going to have for dinner? <laughs> Every damn night. That question, one so many Australians share, is at the core of how Coles nails attention from its customers. Attention is really central to everything we do and all of our interactions with our customers because without attention, you can't get engagement. And without engagement, you can't earn trust. And our vision is to be the most trusted retailer in, in Australia and to help Australians live healthier and happier lives. We've just spent the last 12 months doing a really in-depth study into customer behaviour in our stores to see what is getting their attention, what are they looking at, where are we being helpful and where are we not being helpful so that we can better design the communications in store and online for what our customers are seeking to do. So attention in those environments is really, really important. And then more broadly, attention in terms of messaging, what we've got that's in season for the week, you know, from produce, meat, those sorts of things to encourage our customers to shop the lines that they're looking to shop or provide inspiration for different meal and recipe ideas. So we've got a really successful platform called What's for Dinner because we realised that the number one anxiety after about 2.30 in the afternoon is what am I going to cook for dinner? And so rather than advertising, you know, four different products, we put it all together in the one communication. So it's four or five ingredients or less for this much per serve. So it provides inspiration, but it's really helpful. You can get these four or five things and in 20 minutes you'll have dinner on the table. And that varies throughout the course of the week when we know um, customers have different blocks of time that they want to dedicate to cooking. So on Saturday it might be a, an hour meal or a 45-minute prep or something like that. So that's a different way of getting our customers' attention on a solution but packaging it up in a way that's really, really helpful for them. All right, so sausages, Ari really doesn't like those. Oh, tacos, oh, but it's only Monday. Tacos really are a Tuesday kind of food. Stir fry, no. Rissoles, healthy coals. What's for dinner has allowed coals to tap into exactly the content its customer base is looking for. It draws and holds attention because it understands when, what, and how those customers need it. 2.30 rolls around and, like magic, it answers a question customers didn't even realise they were asking. And then, Lisa and her team try to do it even better next time, using that metric of attention to guide them. I would argue that as marketers, we should have always been looking at customers' attention because it's not just about getting a message in front of someone, it's about making sure that they receive that message. Perfect. So how can you do it? Let's say you're not a supermarket with dinner ideas you can just serve up for customers. What should you be thinking about? Karen can explain it far better than I can. I get feedback daily. And basically what's happening is every single agency are asking the question now, what is our attention strategy going to be for 2022? This is where the science really comes into its own. Karen and her team have been hard at work quantifying the attention gained by different platforms and advertising units in an attempt to help marketers answer this exact question. By studying the way people interact with advertising in different contexts, they're able to create attention scores so advertisers can understand what each platform is best used for, brand building or reinforcement. While the early days of attention data capture focused on the big screen in our lounge rooms, recent iterations of the testing have highlighted the role of our most common screen, our mobile phones. We've all heard the stats, right? We check our mobiles hundreds of times a day. They're now our mobile entertainment devices, wallets, and cameras, and of course the way we still call our mums, which I promise I will do. 
But be honest, how many of you are on your phones while you're also watching TV? Or at the cinema? Or watching your kid's sports game? You get my drift. As it turns out, digital platforms have an advantage when it comes to capturing attention. They're mobile first and continually improving their ad units to meet user needs, which means they also work better for advertisers. Obviously, mobile is held close to your body, so the there's actually less, um, I guess, non-attention in a mobile device compared to some others that you can actually walk away from. There's a role that advertisers have to play here too. So delivery is one thing, but execution is another. So we see even with attention, quite often if the creative isn't optimised for that format or for that device, then it still fails. And we can see the distinction between the two. So the onus is on the advertiser to make sure that they essentially optimise their creative and make sure that their brand is early and strong and large in a mobile screen. Meta was interested in learning more about attention on its platform. So they worked with Karen's company to conduct a new data collection to see how it stacked up. By working with Amplified Intelligence, they started to see how their platforms could better serve attention-grabbing ads and as a result, offer even greater value. The results delivered some surprises and they have ramifications for all brands and how we should all be thinking about how we use digital channels from here on in. I will say that watch performs the best, stories performs the second best, feed performs better than it used to, but performs in terms of active seconds third in the hierarchy. But what I find really interesting is that's consistent across all the individual creative as well. For me, the exciting pieces are both the stories position and particularly the watch position. It is quite a premium offering and its number of active attention seconds is significant. So I'm actually quite impressed. So I think that there's generally a better fit in the feed. Instead of just plonking a 30-second ad into a Facebook feed on mobile, we can see there's a better fit for purpose. So all of those little things make quite a bit of difference because essentially it has a bigger real estate, I guess, which does make a difference. The formats have stood out as being brand building level. It's worth stressing that these results aren't in isolation. Across the board, Karen's team's data collections show mobile formats are the most engaging, whether that's for digital platforms, publishers, or even TV. While attention is a powerful metric, it should be considered in combination with the other metrics that media buyers know and love. Andy Ford is Director of Marketing Science at Meta, where he spends his time understanding exactly what makes for effective and attention-grabbing ads. And he knows there's no one-size-fits-all approach. So part of his job is figuring out exactly how to apply what Meta has learned from Karen's team into their media buying practices. Here's Andy to dive deeper. I would ask anyone looking into this space at the moment is just spend the time understanding how the data is captured, which vendors are offering what, the pros and the cons, and, and think about the various use cases it can be applied to. It does need to be put alongside reach, cost, and ROI. There's just no getting away from it. It just doesn't work on its own in isolation. But when I start thinking about how people and advertisers should use attention, I think sort of sideways and vertical, horizontal and vertical, and I think about how do they maximize attention on a single platform. So if you take Meta, how do you buy the right placements and surfaces that will maximize the attention overall whilst balancing the efficiency and the effectiveness. So a good example of that would be to put leverage in-stream on top of feed and stores, which are more formats that people are used to buying. 
The second way of thinking about it is a bit more horizontal is around how many and which channels should you buy overall. So you want to maximize attention across your entire media buy, but you've really got to balance the cost and the reach element well. There's no point putting all your eggs in one very high attention basket because that will cap out and you won't get the broad reach and impact that you require. So if different ad types deliver certain average attention levels, how can advertisers leverage them to get an advantage over their competition? What we know is that the media placement plays the biggest role in the amount of attention gained. Creative doesn't drive attention, but what it does is it'll drive a sale. So think of them differently. So with the creative piece, it's about making sure that the brand is early, large and frequent but the placement is about understanding what your campaign objectives are and whether it's refresh or build and then optimising different formats accordingly. So spend more on higher attention formats when you are launching a new product or you are building a brand, for example, whereas lower attention platforms are great for just nudge propensity, rinse and repeat, if you like. So what do I say to advertisers? I say there's no one size fits all. Use the channels that help you balance all the principles of good media planning. Don't just focus on one metric or, or one element of media planning. Build creative that's fit for the screen it's going to be shown on. Maximise that real estate. Um, attention isn't linear, so you need to think about how you make the most of first impressions and spend the time to think about how attention data is captured and how it can be used for your needs and your campaigns as well. If you've got a harder, longer message you need to convey to a consumer, then you want to think about longer form content with high attention. But if it's a reminder type message, then you can actually play around with lesser attention, but higher reach and, uh, and, and lower costs. A good individual ad will take up the entire real estate of the mobile screen on the surface that it's going to be placed. It will likely have movement, vibrant colors, branding up front and convey a message quickly. But if you come up a level and an ad is generally one of many ads, which is part of a campaign, then that's thinking about how do you make sure you're in as many of the surfaces and placements as possible. So maximizing every impression and allowing actually meta and the machine learning to put the right ad in front of the right person at the right time at the best possible cost as well. So it's not just about designing an ad that's going to have high attention. It's then leveraging as many placements as possible to maximize that attention as well. Thanks, Andy. So to quickly summarize these incredible attention brainiacs. Number one, attention as a metric is here to stay. Number two, not all platforms are born equal. Look carefully at what you want to achieve before you invest. Number three, understand how your audience behaves so you can serve them the right creative. And four, don't put all your eyeballs in one basket. There is a lot to cover in this space. Digital platforms will keep evolving their offerings across more screens and more ad types. To do that successfully, they'll also need to keep investing in research into just how this all works. Like, what does it mean to give something attention if you're scrolling through it while watching the entire back catalogue of Seinfeld for the 10th time? Or is it still attention if you're showing your friend an ad that you actually hate? What if you skip an ad, but regret skipping it and then go and search for it online later? Is that more or less valuable? Answers to these and other questions like them will become clear over time. For now, Thank you for giving me your attention. Or you're also on your phone, checking email, watching the footy, waiting at school pickup, catching up on Bridgerton, riding the train, walking the dog, considering the meaning of life. 
having a deep and meaningful conversation with your partner. Imagining life as a goldfish. Any attention is better than none. A big attention-getting thanks to paid attention author Faris Yakov, attention expert Dr. Karen Nelson-Field, Cole CMO Lisa Ronson, and Meta's Andy Ford for sharing their ideas and expertise in this episode. Make sure you subscribe or follow to get all of our future episodes. Connected is a Clearhaze consulting production for Meta ANZ. It's executive produced by Meta's Evelyn Bishop and Alexandra Sloan, and produced by Alex Hayes, Janelle Lawrence, Sophie Woods, and Leah Young. Episodes are written by Anna Spargo-Ryan, with music, sound design, and editing by Adrian Breakspear, and production support from Akansha Singh. I'm Dan Monheit, and until next time, this is Connected from Meta.